0: Hi, my name's Hutton and I'm a geoholic.
1: Here we go, boys. Ooh, that was a slow starter, but I like the message. You gotta love it. R.E.M., shiny, happy people from their 1991 out-of-time record. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening to this installment of Geoholics Anonymous, our roundtable-formatted discussion on topics affecting the developing world. Uh, My name is Kent, and I am definitely a geoholic. I, of course, have my... Two of my best good friends with me, that being Big shoots and producer
2: Jake shoots. Say hello. Hello, hello. My best good friend, Bubba Gump over here. Yep,
1: yep. You got the uh, the cutest yaholic, that being Marvin. Oh, I um, thought you were talking about
2: Jake. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that too. No, but let's let's allow uh, producer Jake to say hello. How's it going, guys? Happy to be mm-hmm. here. Going well. Thanks for uh, putting the show together for us. We greatly appreciate it. And I would be remiss if I did not congratulate Producer Jake on passing his, get this, International Yacht Training Day Skipper exam this past weekend. So looking forward to getting out on the water with Producer Jake as our skipper. Skipper so, Jake? So
2: is he a slash guy, like producer slash skipper Jake?
1: Uh, no, we can't change the name. We can't okay. change the name. All
2: right. Yeah. Well, just
1: it just depends. If we're on the boat, he's skipper. If we're in this environment, he's producer. Yeah. Okay. We'll it, res- it changes we'll respect per environment. It. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Quick safety share. Uh, we had a recent accident involving a survey crew actually here in Arizona on the I-10. For those of you who don't know, that's kind of the main east-west thoroughfare through the city, uh, goes down to Tucson and goes uh, all the way to L.A. Um, there was a survey crew actually sitting in their survey rig off the side of the road, in the right-of-way, but off the, off the pavement. They're sitting there, you know, doing some paperwork, whatever, and all of a sudden a, a service vehicle um, left the roadway and slammed into them, completely told their vehicle. Fortunately, none of, neither of them got hurt, but point being, you know, everybody listening to this, there's a lot of guys that work out in the field and on job sites and stuff like that, and it's so important to... Um, just always be aware of your surroundings situational awareness is so so important these guys weren't doing anything you know in the travel way they were completely off the side of the road and you just never know you know somebody i don't the truck a tire i don't know the details of the accident but the bottom line is always do everything you can to be safe and be situationally aware
2: can't okay. say it better than that myself all right other than uh that service vehicle was a company we will not name yeah, yeah we we will, we will yeah. hope some free services come our way from those <laughs> bad people
1: exactly all right let's get started but before we do I want to give our guest panelists an opportunity to introduce themselves um, we're going to start we're going start we're going start with uh Scott P so Scott if you would give us your name your current role with your respective company and let's see let's do Tell us your COVID-19 guilty pleasure. And what I mean by that that is this. My guilty pleasure being, you know, cooped up at the house for the last three months, basically, is, you know, surfing YouTube, of course. And uh, I came across magnet fishing videos. So that's like my new addiction. I watch magnet fishing videos in my free time. So Scott P., top that, buddy.
0: So P. is not my last name. Scott Phillips is my last name, but that's (laughs) right. So, see, I'm the president of Ace Asphalt and Brown Brothers, uh, company in Denver. Uh, Ace Asphalt is based out of Phoenix. But I live here in Arizona. I've got three girls. I'm a huge hockey fan. My guilty pleasure. Well, it's not a guilty pleasure, but I, I'm actually doing, I've got a 12-year-old daughter and we do TikTok videos together. So I've learned what a TikToker does. Yeah. So I'm just setting myself up for years of embarrassment later on when, when they grow up, they can watch these videos again. But I enjoy it with her. She's she's awesome.
2: So, we got to log on and check out his dance moves. Exactly. Oh, my uh, goodness.
1: Have to get your TikTok uh, page or whatever they call it. I'm not sure, but that sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Thank you, Scott. And uh, James, you can go next.
3: Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm James Murphy, um, CEO of Wilming Construction, a a Phoenix based uh, commercial contracting company. Um, guilty pleasure for me I, I do enjoy leveraging the backdrop and appearing to be in a white shirt like this and while sitting in Pinetop Arizona wearing shorts at about 65 degrees and people <laughs> do think I'm in the desert and I'm not um, anyway that, that's that's probably as, as good as we, we've been working pretty hard through the COVID era so that, that's probably as good as I can do on the guilty pleasure so
1: that's fantastic and the best part of that is now I know that you have a place in Pine Tops so we'll have to talk about that uh, there you go. <laughs> rob you go next buddy
4: all right rob Robichaud. um everyone wants to call it Robichaud. uh that's just a michigan thing i guess but if you're canadian you know the right way to say it i am the vice president of sales and marketing i've got a unique background though really focused on culture and human resources um and not the hr that you're used to more of the opposite side of hr we'll talk about that at some point point. and then my guilty pleasure um it's probably watching Scott's TikTok videos. <laughs> They're
1: really good. I was going to say, but they must be good.
4: And, and you'll be proud to know that I bought a 500-pound magnet and I used it to pick up a bunch of nails on the side of the road where somebody had dumped a bunch of nails because they were getting flat tires on their mountain bikes. So I spent a weekend out there a couple of weekends ago picking up all the nails with this big magnet.
1: Have you ever watched any magnet fishing videos?
4: They're awesome. Absolutely, aren't awesome. they?
1: They're addicting. They're
4: awesome. Yeah, but it was
1: awesome to watch them. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And last but not least, uh, Scott uh, Scott S.
5: Hey, I'm Scott Sangster, um, Calgary, Alberta, uh, but spend a fair bit of time in Arizona. And as you mentioned earlier, Kent, was blessed to meet my wife, Pam, in the presence of your wife, Megan, a long time ago. And was also situate when you met, when you started dating Megan at the curling club i'm a partner in a national law firm here in calgary my practice area is financial services so i act primarily for the banks boring old paper but it pays the bills my guilty pleasure is we were blessed to spend three months in arizona just recently because when the border closed we were there for spring training and just returned home but my guilty pleasure was for three months i didn't have to wear underwear
1: (laughs) That's great. I'm I'm not. I'm not sure the visual, but uh, that's awesome.
5: Awesome. Basketball shorts. Basketball shorts.
1: All right. Free and easy, boys. You got it. You got it. Well, thanks everybody for the introductions. I appreciate it. So, all right. Let's. uh, So the bad news is we're all trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate our way through a global pandemic, and now, of course, civil unrest. The good news is that after any. Prolonged period of of a, of a crisis. There's always a strong desire for rebirth and renewal. For example, after a war, there's always a post-war boom. Um, you know, the citizens of a of a war-torn country, for example, are, are very weary. Uh, you know, of death and destruction. And uh, with peace comes a second chance at life and a tremendous burst of creative energy and, you know, economy building. So there's pent-up demand for products and services. Folks are eager to get back to work and to invest and to shop. So hopefully that rebirth is also a part of what is going to be our post-COVID world. So that being said, you know, it's a proven fact that people want to work for for a, a good leader, and they they uh, want a plan that they can buy into. So our topic this evening is how to be an effective leader in a post-COVID-19 world, which I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we're still like right in the heart of dealing with COVID-19. I think we're a long way from being a post-COVID-19 world, but still, I think it's a, a really good topic for us to discuss. And personally, I think it's, it's timely for... For a couple of reasons, you know, one, I believe it's safe to say that, you know, many of our listeners work for companies that are relying on their corporate leadership more than ever to help them grapple with their daily work lives, and two, I'm also willing to bet that, you know, as a result of COVID-19, there are a ton of companies that have had to make wholesale changes or at least significant adjustments to the way that they conduct their conduct uh, their their re- of businesses. So our, our first topic that we're going to get into pretty general, but it's a good lead in to, to, as we get deeper into this, um, we'll start out with, you know, Scott Phillips in an attempt, I guess, here's a question in an attempt to be better or to better understand a post COVID world, let's say, um, what does it, or what will it look like in your mind for your specific individual business line?
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because we're we're in a, in a space that we're an essential business. So we're blessed and fortunate to be in that space. But things are changing, um, you know, things are changing by by the day. So you do your best to navigate what that's going to look like. And, you know, as you lead through this, you know, the best things you can do is be transparent with your employees because you really don't know, again, what, the, what, what day two is going to look like or day three. You know, James and I are in a very similar industry where, um, you know, we're in, we're in the construction industry and so, really your, your, your future is dependent upon uh, you know, what, what the building trades do, right? So what, what's, if owners want to invest in new properties, the other part of our business is maintenance. And so, you know, as we look, we're, we're really strong in the municipal market right now. So municipalities are still um, still wanting to get that work done. We see some of our, our maintenance slow down. Um, but what do we look like? I think we're going to be a, certainly a leaner organization what this has taught us is that we can work from home. We have a big facility in Phoenix, our headquarters. We're pretty fortunate to we have a cloud-based system that we can work from home. And not until this this pandemic came about did we think that we could do that. So we're we have the ability to work from home, um, and we're finding our team is very successful in doing it. So the other part of it is we have a production team that works in the field, right? So about majority of our employees work in work in the field, and so. We feel that even through this pandemic right now, we've taken the proper steps to make sure we safeguard our employees um, and then stop, hopefully stopping the spread of COVID-19. So, uh, you know, what do we look like, man, it's really hard to say. Uh, I think the best way to lead through this is really just being transparent with your, with your team members. And it's okay to say, I don't know, because we really don't know, but we'll continue pressing upon what we feel a bit, where we feel a business and the economy is turning. And then, uh, continue to support the people that have been through thick and thin with us. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And even tomorrow as things change,
1: yeah, all good points, uh, James, what can you add to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to start off with the
3: words echo, but um, you know, in years past we, we had a few select roles that we felt could, could be remote. Uh, you know, we, we had one full-time employee in North Carolina, another one in, Oregon, in, in very select roles, and of course we're, we're headquartered out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, again, you know, the, the radical shift of, of kind of skeleton crew in the office, um, in pretty much all roles, were, were, we're done remotely with the exception of our, of our field managers that are actually the, maybe call them the true builders, that they don't, they don't get to zoom in to work when you're, when you're building a, a 1.2 million square foot building. Um, but, you know, leveraging technology, we, we had Zoom as a platform, um, a, as a, a leadership team, we really struggled to fully implement it, fully leverage it. You, even if you wanted to, to leverage it on a project, you might struggle to get, you know, all participants in an owner's meeting to, to leverage it as well. And it, it, in that regard, it, it's been very refreshing to see the degree to which it's accelerated the use of technology. Uh, from, from Zoom platforms to support work from home, from, you know, we've got inspectors that have, have done some inspections via FaceTime, um, we're leveraging some zones, some uh, drone surveys to actually verify work in place, which is, is segueing into to as-built documents for the future. And it's just, it's been, it's been uh, I guess, refreshing to see the degree <clears throat> to which all parties have been nimble and, and, and we're fully using technology probably in a way that that we should have been maybe maybe years before but a necessity has has resulted in implementation so going forward what all will stick you know remains to be seen um, but but it, it, it's certainly been been a good thing um, and amazing what you can put in place uh, with very limited human interaction
1: yep absolutely and uh, I think just like you guys both said that um, this situation has opened our eyes to a lot of, I guess in this case, you know, technological tools that have been there for a really long time, but we weren't taken full advantage of, you know, you mentioned the virtual meetings thing, you know, obviously that is the, the only way to essentially do business these days. And the use of drones and UAVs to monitor work sites, um, you know, all really, really cool things. Uh, Rob, how about you, man?
4: Yeah, I think it's, well, So the average age of my sales team we have about 19 people across the southwest is 57 Hmm. the average tenure is about 17 years Hmm. so how it looks if someone were to predict this just 90 days ago and tell us that all of us would be working from home and this is how it was going to be it would have stopped my heart because i know where they were with their technological savvy it wasn't on a high scale um and and so how I think it looks is is I don't know how all the offices look. And I'm just thinking general for all these organizations that have all these spaces rented, these large offices, large corporate headquarters with all this great room. I really do believe that there's an opportunity for companies like ours to start consolidating down mm-hmm. and how I think it looks post-COVID is a very small skeleton crew that is there to get packages and meet with some staff and open the door and close the door. But I do believe that the majority of the people are going to be working from home or working remotely from the front seat of their car with a Surface or an Apple product and connectivity. And they're just going to be able to do that. And I I do believe that's what the future looks like for a lot of industries, especially ours right now.
1: Yep, I completely agree. And to be honest with you, I would be a little concerned if I was in the uh, commercial real estate business right now. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, Mr. Sankster, what do you got for us?
5: Well, James used the word echo. I'll use the word amplify. (laughs) Transparency, absolutely paramount in what we've been doing. And um, our teams have adjusted extremely well to working from home. We invested in technology before the pandemic, and that has been a good thing. Um, As a partner in the firm, I maybe noticed the impact on my income as a result of that technology investment, but it's, it's translated into significant uh, productivity increases in our world. So the transparency that goes with communicating with your team has been one of the things I've really come to to appreciate from this. Also the, I think on a go forward basis to echo kind of what or amplify what Rob said, we're going to reduce our footprint. Our lease is coming up for renewal in a couple of years and we're going to gas a good portion of our space because we don't need it, um, go forward. I think we will continue to work from home for a considerable amount of time and use, we're just rolling out our uh, present plans with respect to return to the office and they're not contemplating full-time return for everybody.
1: Yep. Yep. My company actually is in the same boat. I work for, work for a very large firm, you know, 20,000 people, uh, global company. And, you know, even my supervisor, um, you know, he, we've had numerous conversations through this and, and he's like, and he's like, honestly, I don't know if we'll ever go back to the office full-time like we were and in his case he lives in in southern california and he's like i'm just as productive at home and i get three days three hours of my day back because of not having to drive in california or southern california traffic you know every day so there's there's definitely a lot of advantages to what this has forced us to do um one thing i do want to have each of you guys comment on is um you know, obviously there's there's going to be this refined focus on health and safety, um, you know, both in the office and in the field. So I'm curious how, whatever there's any practices or procedures that you guys have implemented, um, um, you know, now. I mean, I'm not not I don't I'm not sure if you guys are all back in the office or your employees or whatever. Um, but like for for my company. You know, there's are you fit to work? There's a form you have to fill out every day, and there's different things like that. You know, take your temperature, this and that. Those are things they're talking about as employees do start to come back to the office. So, Scott Singster, what 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 say you on that topic?
5: Well, we're not um, we're not precluding people from going to the office. There's very few that are going in. Our anticipated sort of rollout return date is probably September 1st but one excuse me one of the key things that I saw in our return to work plan is a almost like a hotel booking service you have to give advance notice to an administrator on a calendar when you intend to be in the office they approve that they put it into a calendar and then once we get to a certain number of bodies probably 50 percent or less nobody else can go into the office that day
1: Yep. Yep. We're doing the exact same thing. They've had those exact same uh, suggestions uh, going forward. Um, Rob, how about you? I mean, you and Scott probably have the same answer to this, but go ahead.
4: Yeah. So, well, I'll bring in a personal side of it. So I spent a lot of time interacting with people face-to-face over the last four days and starting to think about all of us getting together today. The thoughtfulness and being present, I guess, in the moment was there is a chance, there is risk that somehow that interaction – would have generated my contracting of a disease. And I won't know for two weeks, you know, but the last thing I want to do is bring a group of people together, thought leaders like everybody on this panel, and then expose you. And so that's what we're trying to remind our sales staff. That's how we're trying to remind all of our employees. If you find yourself out socializing, that's your choice. But just remember what the greater picture is for everybody else that you potentially could expose. So if that's the case, take a back seat, schedule a webinar, schedule an on-site meeting through, through zoom or through Microsoft teams. So that's, that's, I think something that we all should be more conscious of and be more focused on.
1: Yep, No question. No question. James, do you have anything to add to that?
4: Um,
3: you know, the, the, the social side of the equation, I, I, we, we've talked internally that I, I do have reason to believe that, that, uh, in, in the course of a work week, um, the expectation is a little higher and the guard is a little bit higher and maintaining six feet is, is something that everybody does pretty naturally. Um, you know, what what's going on off of the clock and the risks associated with that, it, we, we keep reinforcing and reinforcing. And uh, I, I think all, all businesses, uh, there, there's real risk in this part of the, of the conversation. Um, and, and it's, you know, I, humans are met and wired and, we we've all um, been raised with a get together mentality, and you know the, the the greater Phoenix the numbers are actually getting worse right now. They're not getting better, but yet you see the assembly uh, outside of work probably as much as ever in some instances. So any, anyway, there's definitely some some competing interests by day and by night that I, I think all businesses really need to keep an eye on. It, it's hard to control, but. Um, I, I, all you can do is reinforce, 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 but it's certainly necessary.
1: Yep, yep, no question. Uh, Scott Phillips, do you have anything else? You,
0: you know, I just had one thing. So we, 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 take, we follow the CDC big three, right? So they talk about washing hands, um, six foot social distancing rule, and then stay at home if you're sick. So really, that's the baseline of anyone who's working in the office. But as we said before, we're very fortunate that we don't need to be in the office, most of the office employees. I think the big challenge for us is how do we continue to protect our production crews and our field crews? Mm. Um, Without them, we're nothing, right? So we need to get in a better position of protecting our team. So we have sanitary efforts. We have masks and gloves and wipes. um, But I think the effort really needs to be turned there because we've now solved the issue of what do we do in the office? Well, we don't go in the office, right? Until, because this is present. So how do we continue to just show daily progress tor- towards protecting our team members? You know, and James, as you know, on job sites, um, it's, we're seeing that pop up as the spread of COVID-19 continues to grow in Arizona. You're seeing more job sites where different subs are are affected by COVID-19. And so how do we make sure our team members are protected? What we do initially is we make sure all the vehicles, whether they're driving in it, a heavy-duty truck going to and from a job site. We wipe it down in the morning, wipe it down in the evening, doing everything we can to protect. So right now, our biggest concern is really the production crews and how do we continue to keep them safe?
1: Yeah, definitely a challenge and uh James you mentioned something that uh, that I want to just kind of springboard off of just a little bit and that's that you know p as, as human beings, you know, we're we're wired or programmed for, you know, that person-to-person contact or interaction and not having that, you know, creates a lot of challenges. So, we're, you know, we're not only concerned about like people's physical well-being, but I think something that's not talked about enough is how this pandemic and the situation it's put us in has, is affecting, you know, people's mental well-being. Even more importantly, I mean, you hear statistics every day about, you know, the the rate of suicide and domestic violence and all this stuff. And I don't want to go down that go down that rabbit hole per se, but it's it's something that also needs to be taken into consideration, um, you know, each and every day, and, and as we move forward. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody wants to talk talk or add to that, but. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I want to add. Did anybody else? Well,
0: want to... I, I add, I'll add one one thing to that. Kent. we? We have a number of employees that are single, mm-hmm. and I was talking to one of our employees who happens to be a director, and you know he was saying it's lonely. I, yep. I need the office for that interaction.
1: Exactly. And
0: you know someone like us that goes home and we have kids and and a wife, right? It's um we don't think about that. So definitely empathetic to to this individual and others who need that social interaction and without
2: it, it's a big void in their life. Absolutely. Yep. Really good point. I have honestly not thought about that at all because I've been at home with the lovely Carrie and Hudson so much that as you say, this is progressing and we're going to continue working from home. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I just want the schools to start again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's (laughs) that also. As long as the schools open up, then okay, I can work from home, but there's only so much I can do with that. So it's just another side point that popped into my head
1: yeah no for sure it's affecting everybody differently you know down different levels for that matter okay let's move on to the next topic so we, we, we've kind of you know laid the groundwork for this now <laughs> and pretty much everybody I, I, you know on, on this panel is in a leadership position in one you know one shape or form so let's talk about the challenges of, of, of being an, a, an effective leader um, during what you know virtually appears to be a shift in many business cultures Um We'll start with Scott Phillips. What does it take to be effective? And, you know, what are the biggest differences now compared to before the pandemic?
0: You know, I think either, I, I really believe that, you know, why I really exist in leadership is to change people's lives for the better, right? And so you, to figure out how do you navigate those waters or in the middle of a pandemic? Um, I, I think the biggest thing for, and I know some of the struggles that we have is how do you communicate with the team to make sure they still feel like they're part of a team. And as a leader, I think it's really important to be authentic, as I talked about earlier. It's okay to say you don't know what the what the future looks like, but we'll safeguard our employees by doing X. And then we'll make sure that we're a relevant company as we move into uh, we'll, our fiscal year starts 4-1 as we move into Q2, Q3, Q4 of our fiscal year. And so there's no playbook for this pandemic. You can't say, hey, I. I read uh, you know, either Robin Sharma or so-and-so put a, a, a leadership book together for how to navigate through a pandemic and you get bombarded with different, um, hey, you should do this or podcast to listen to this. I really think authentically you just have to lead through it. You have to have a team that's willing to follow you and you have to be willing to say, hey, I don't know, I'll put my best foot forward and we'll conquer this together.
1: Yep. True leadership is definitely uh, definitely surfacing right now. Um, James, how about you?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, the, in our our business, you know, again, commercial contracting business, that the nature the, the nature in all markets, all times, is you you've got the the home office, and then you've got a bunch of islands, and so we always talk about you know navigating the island effect relative to our managers that bounce from project to project and. Uh, and each, you know, if you're not careful, each project can kind of take on its own, its own culture. If if you're not really deliberate, and its own character, it's a derivative of the strongest, most dominant leader, and, and that's kind of what you get. And um, so we're we're accustomed to to dealing with that, um, trying to unify and and pull people in, um, you know. In this, the the change and and fear, uh, we we we've, we've been extra deliberate. To, to be visible and communicate, and you know, I, we, we've gone to a 9:15 a.m. company-wide Zoom call, and honestly, I, I don't think we'll stop. Um, I've, I've gotten multiple text messages from senior leaders in the field that, you know, that they understand the reason that we're communicating every Monday morning at 9:15. What well, it, it originated as a COVID conversation and update, but they're they're basically putting their hand up that this quote is the closest they've felt to the home office in, in their career. And a couple of these guys are, I mean, they're five six years from retirement. Yeah. And so, so anyway, that being deliberate to, to both be visible and, 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 have open discussion around subjects like fear. Um, I don't, I don't remember ever tackling that subject head on for any reason in the past. And um, in, anyway, the leadership definitely takes on a, a different, a different flavor in, in this, um, this time and, um, talking about the elephant in the room is, is probably a pretty good place to start.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. And that's a great idea. Um, you know, having a, a, a company call on a daily basis. I mean, there's no better way to, to, um, you know, kind of cultivate that in- inclusiveness, I, I suppose, and and keeping the staff motivated paddling in the same direction as they say. Uh, Rob, how about you, bud?
4: So I, if you remember, Marissa Mayer with Yahoo back in 2013, she said, nobody gets to work from home. Everybody come back to the home office. She's essentially saying, we don't trust you. Mm-hmm. We don't trust that you're working. I think that's the thing that we have to show our team is that we trust them. We trust that they are actually working. We believe them, that they're putting in the full 40 hours a week, and we're not calling them on it if it's not at this point. early, I think that's probably the first thing that we have to keep putting out to our staff. We trust that you're working. We trust you're doing a good job. And then recognize when they are doing a good job because as a leader, sometimes it's easy to say, what do you think they're up to? I haven't heard from them in two days. And so having that daily touch, um, using teams, using the technology to see when people are on and saying hi to them, but not necessarily using those tools is like, I haven't noticed you being online in the last couple of days. And so that's the challenge is using the tools for the good, not for the bad. And then I also think we have to have some fun and humor and to be able to get our team initially on teams, we had to have a social hour, you know, week one, it was a Friday night. We had them all invited for a five o'clock meeting. We told them to bring their favorite drink. And if they were not so excited to see the boss drink and go on teams and actually see us live, um, it was, it was pretty fun. It was a really good event. So I think you have to have self-deprecation humor be humble, be nimble um, but certainly prove to your team and show your team that you trust them.
1: Yep, great stuff and the thing is you know you mentioned the 40 hour a week thing and the, the 40 hour a week thing it could be that a, a certain individual works you know eight to twelve and then they have to deal with stuff throughout the day and they might yeah. work you know what, you know whatever four to eight to get their 40 it, it, it gives people the ability to have so much more control over their day and and ultimately be more productive as a
2: result flexibility and as you said with the Southern California reference, how much time are you saving just not driving to and from Absolutely. the office? You know, we live in Phoenix. It's not nearly as big as L.A. or something like that. But, yeah, my drive to work is an hour each way.
1: Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that you look at downtown, there's no brown cloud. Exactly. I love well, it. <laughs> if you look
2: east, you know, there's just a big white cloud, but that's a yeah. brush fire, but that's, you know, oh, whole, yeah. a subject yeah. for another day. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, no, there's that smog is definitely cleared. Yeah. Uh, I Somebody like yourself with, like, allergies and stuff, do you notice a difference? Absolutely.
1: Totally. Yep. I totally can. Um, Scott Sinkster challenges of being a leader during these challenging times.
5: So the rest of the panel has a broader leadership scope than I do. My team's probably 12 to 15 people. Um, Not that I would wish this pandemic on us ever again. This has actually drawn our team closer together for the reasons that Rob touched on with respect to trust the reasons that James touched on and the reasons that Scott touched on <clears throat> one of the things we've been doing as a leader that I've tried to do is be a lot more empathetic about the situation so if I need to talk to a team member I don't call him or her out of the blue we schedule it because to your point kid they may be dealing with a small child they may be dealing with an elder elderly parent they may be dealing with their partner who's working from home as well so empathy to the situation of the team member is paramount. And the second thing that I've tried to bring to bear in leadership is vulnerability, particularly from a mental health perspective. You know, um, we're supposed to be leaders, but that doesn't mean we can't be vulnerable. And describing some of the mental health challenges that we're going through as we go through this, I found our team has been very um, open to receiving that. And I've had, as I said at the outset, I've had some great conversations with them one-on-one where we wouldn't have had those conversations in the office because uh, there's not enough vulnerability.
1: Yeah, great point. Great point. I love that. And you know, I think I think I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was James. But you know, lots of times, you know, telling the truth is not always easy. <laughs> and, and telling the truth and showing humility, um, those two things together pay such huge dividends i mean that's what people want to see honestly
2: and some people are way better at it than others no question and just throwing it out there quick question on the side note um when your guys you guys are all talking about a 40-hour work week and not having a specific schedule not necessarily tracking as much as you want um overall with people working from home and I know for myself, if I just kind of like have something on my mind, I can't go to sleep without getting it done or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I got to get this done. Do you think overall people are going to work almost more hours or do you think there is going to be this slacking off, so to speak yeah. more so w- one way or the other, because I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I know I can be lazy with the best of them, but like I said, if I got something on my mind, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. And if my computer's sitting at home, which it is, I'm going to get it done. So right. it's not like it's easy enough to say it's at the office. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Yep. so as, as leaders in these industries, um, what, what's your opinion? Do you think it's going to increase to more work being done necessarily in a 40 work week? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll start we'll start out with Scott Phillips
0: you know i think i think you're going to have those you're going to have those that dive in and then those that stand back and you know i heard someone say this before that you know there's there's efficiency and professionalism are four letter words right now so as we talk with our teams and we replace those with effectiveness and personalism so i think if you're personal with your team and you talk about being effective we have, we have a saying you're a know, bias towards action. You just get things done. If you get things done, it's easily measurable if you have the right systems in place. And that and you can measure that, right? But you have some individuals, like I said, is that you know we've got to keep checking on people to make sure they're okay. And if they want to have a tantrum during this, that's okay, have a tantrum. But you need to overcome that, and then you need to be effective. And so measuring that is not a bad thing, um, Holding them accountable is not a bad thing, but personalism is a really, really big thing right now. And just checking in on on employees. And so do I think there's individuals that work less than 40 hours? Sure. But they could be so effective. They're getting their, their roles done or their jobs done in that time. Um, do I think others work 50, 60 hours? Sure. Their office is in their bedroom. They can't leave. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's a combination of both.
1: Yeah, no question. James?
0: Yeah, I mean,
3: Uh, For one of the things we've we've definitely observed is, A, we're thankfully putting a lot of work in place, uh, big, big numbers, and a lot to be thankful for in that regard. Um, You know, there there are many, many, call them discretionary things that right now you can't elect to do. And and I I think it, it really puts everybody in a situation to really assess the value of all the things that they're not doing now. And and there, you know and, and anyway a lot of them are, are are on the sales front or on the the industry mixer front or whatever it may be, um, but I, but I you know cutting straight to the core of of productivity everything I'm doing is moving the chains uh, right right now is actually a great example of that and anyway I, I, are people working more or less going forward from a, an at home environment um, I. I, I'm going to hazard a guess that it'll it'll average out. Um, that you'll you'll have some that are a little more and a little more productive, and maybe some that the nature of the home front will distract them into a little less productive. But it'll it'll balance out. But it it's really a good time to to assess what you're not doing while being effective, if if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely does. So, Rob, you're kind of in a unique situation, you know, primarily doing sales and marketing and that type of thing. And, you know, you have to be constantly be in touch with people that whose schedules you can't manage. So that's an additional challenge that you have. Speak on that, would you?
4: Yeah. Um, normally, uh, on this front, we would meet with clients out on their job site. We would walk the job sites. We would maybe even sit down at a table with them and put out a Google map and draw it out together and help them to understand the kind of work that's going to be in the future. Um, and we've had to change the way and how that interaction happens. And we used to spend a lot of time doing lunch and learns, just spending time going out and visiting with our big clients. And so some things that have had to change and adapt is we do virtual lunch and learns. We have Uber deliver food to their home. And then when it arrives, they connect with us on a zoom meeting. And then we talk about the project. So we've started utilizing technology to allow for the social distancing, but to Scott's point, making it more personal. Sometimes those conversations that we have with our clients have nothing to do with the work in front of us. It's, I didn't know that you were a parent. I didn't know that you had this hobby or that you did that. Tell me what you're working on this weekend. And it's really a neat way to connect at a different intimacy with your clients. And, and when you do that, I, I think that you build up this really – good common understanding of respect for one another that wasn't there before and could have never possibly happened under normal circumstances. But, you know, I want to mention one thing with the working from home for all of our sales folks and stuff. Um, we watched our vacation requests go down to zero. When COVID hit, nobody was taking vacations anymore, probably for two reasons. Um, they were already home um, and they couldn't go anywhere. So I've been encouraging my team to find time to take time off. Like, please schedule a day off. Take a Friday off and don't answer your phones. Don't answer your emails. Put them out of office on. Because we found that a lot of our people were working a lot more than the 40 hours. And if I was reaching out to them at 9 o'clock at night, I normally wouldn't get a response until 8 in the morning. Now they're responding. I had to find a way to stop sending messages myself because I don't want to make them feel like they have to work more than they are. And so Scott and I will talk all night. We will certainly put in our 60 hours a week, no doubt. But... What we don't do well sometimes is we don't know when to hit stop with the rest of our team. We're really good at just working together, but that's something I think we have to work on as a whole organization and a lot of companies have to know when it's time to stop talking to your employees.
1: Yeah, something you said there that I absolutely love is, you know, when you're talking to your clients now, and even your employees for that matter, you do, it's really strange how you get to know them in a little bit different way, and I think a lot of that boils down to, hey, we're all in this together, you know, let's figure it out. And again, but you know, it's humility, of course,
2: but it's almost a, another layer of intimacy because yeah, you're looking yeah. in their home, yep. like a Zoom meeting and stuff, if these people don't have these extravagant fake backgrounds or anything like that. You, <laughs> you see what's in their house. So it it does add a layer to it. Yeah, yeah. I've
1: been to Scott Singster's house. He's got a pretty nice place. It's,
2: it's a good pad. It's
1: a good pad. It's a good pad. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, Mr. Singster, uh what do you got on this? Two
5: things. Uh Rob's commentary with respect to having your employees dial it back. Totally agree with that. We're s- I won't say suffering, we are fortunate that our productivity levels are higher now than they were when we were in the office. And I think the younger members of our team have really embraced the working from home part because it gives them, um, it makes them the emperors and empresses of their own domains. If they want to do their workout at 1030 in the morning, or they want to do it at 230 in the afternoon, they can do it. And no one's walking around the floor plate asking them where they are. The work gets done when the work gets done because they lob it into the client's inbox and so they lob it into mine. And I could care less if they were working out at 1030 in the morning or working out at 230 in the afternoon. If they're happy and they're productive, yep. bless them. The second thing is more associated with, um, I lost my train of thought, so I apologize, is, well, I'll let it go with that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I was just
2: going to say, if if they're working out at 10.30 in the morning here, I hope they're doing it in their homes. <laughs> it is way too hot out there right now for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's all
1: great stuff. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about, so this, this crisis uh, is causing tremendous damage to almost every sector globally. Um, and it, it's also at the same time creating risks that maybe we didn't have before. So let's talk just a little bit about, um, you know, risk management and maybe how that has changed as a result of of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, Scott Singster, do you have something to say about that?
5: Yeah, so we see a real uptick, uptick in our litigation support teams, which I have nothing to do with. I don't even know where the courthouse is. Um, <laughs> And, you know, obviously there's a lot of mitigation associated with that. And of course it would be more applicable to Scott, Rob and James's business. And so we're really just a service provider into that. And I, I see the uptick in our our um, ability to provide that mitigation kind of uh, advice. I'd rather hear from Scott, Rob
1: and James on this issue. Perfect. Uh, Rob, go ahead.
4: Yeah. So I want to maybe just go a different direction with it and call call it internal risk management. I've mm-hmm. heard it brought up a couple of times already, but the health of our employees and not the health of their risk of COVID, it's that mental health um, and doing our best to make sure they understand what an EAP program is. We actually have a chaplain um, that's worked with the company for dozens of years and makes himself available for, for our clients and not our clients, but for our, our customers, all of our employees. and um, we're blessed from that standpoint, but this is a time I believe that we have to really push that message out forward because there is risk management right now with the mental health of a lot of employees, to Scott's point earlier as well, that are sitting home alone and they really miss an opportunity to connect with us and see us in person and have lunch with us. So um, that's something that we have to be very cognizant of.
1: Yeah, oh man, really, really good point. Uh, James. Yeah, I mean, I, when, when
3: uh, it first became evident that COVID was going to sweep coast to coast and, and, uh, you know, no market was going to be excluded, you know, construction projects for construction projects and durations, uh, enforced major language. And, and, there, there was a lot of discussion, um, along those lines. Um, thankfully the, the industry has been resilient enough that I, I think for the most part projects are staying on schedule and, and, uh, you know, the people aren't, aren't posturing at least not in, in Arizona to any degree. Um, around those types of claims, but we we are seeing now, um, you know, more more specific language that specifically addresses pandemics, um, and it it it's it's really opened a new a new chapter around what used to be uh, kind of a what if that you wouldn't have to deal with, um, and so so anyway, in that regard, you know, straight up relative to our our contract language, we're we're seeing pretty rapid change. Um, that that'll, at least there will be a a higher degree of, of expectation, uh, for whatever comes down the road, uh, for future waves of COVID or, or whatever, whatever may come. But anyway, we're, we're definitely, um, I think both sides, the contractors and the owners have, have used this as a a case study to what should be specifically addressed.
1: Yep. Great point. Uh, Scott Phillips.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Good point, James. But organizational uh, resilience is extremely important, right? And so we're seeing language change. We're seeing, um, you know, reviewing your policy coverage, how important that is now, looking at these parametric solutions to um, help your your overall risk, your financial risk of the business. Um, It's likely that traditional insurance coverage just won't help you anymore. So having a good insurance broker as you uh, you know look at your your insurance, um, really the entire spectrum of your insurance because force majeure was was one of the big things. That's like, well, you don't have coverage for that. It's a small loopholes, um, but understanding that is really really imperative. And then, the pandemic exposed the industries. I mean, we're very fortunate that work we continue to work. But think about travel and hospitality, hmm. and how things would really change from their perspective about their policy coverages and re, and, and re, renewing that, what does that renewal look like? So, you know, we're seeing it change, but the resiliency in your organizational efforts to keep your business moving forward is really, really important. And my suggestion would be to talk to your insurance broker, make sure you understand the main scenarios that can affect your your organization with these pandemic risks going around. Um, and then even if you're, you know, as you're up for renewal, have that conversation to say, hey, listen, how can we put ourselves in a better position um, if this ever happens again, or if it continues to happen.
1: Awesome, great job on that one, guys. Um, so everything I'm like seeing and reading, it sounds like we're going to go from a you know like a less global war or world, I guess, to more isolation. So even before COVID nineteen, you know, the trend toward globalization of trade and investment and supply chains and people flow was kind of declining. So you know, deglobalization could make us. All more resilient, but could also make us less prosperous as a result of fewer choices and higher prices. How do you see that possibly affecting, you know, your individual uh, business lines? So, uh, Scott Phillips, if you can touch on that, please.
0: Yeah. So for us, we're we're already. I mean, I I think we just inherently see it through the trade war that we've seen spin up between the U.S. and China. You know, we're. this pandemic could easily reverse the trends of globalization. You know, we were a, a, an aggregate industry and you know, it's oil and gas really. And so as you look across, um, what's the dominant raw material that goes in asphalt, right? And so you see that it's it definitely is global. And so as we pull away from globalization, it will affect us. We just don't know how it will affect us. And so, you know, you look at Saudi Arabia and those countries that control, what, 20-some percent of the, the, the oil and gas, um, Russia and Venezuela. Um, but you look at North America, we have new extraction methods, and so it'll be interesting to see how that's, that affects us. But this trade war, I think that's just the tipping point. I think we significantly pull back, again, I could be completely wrong, but I think we significantly pull back and we look at really what drives our economy in North America. And uh, it, it will affect our industry. It's just a matter of what that impact will be.
1: Yep. Yep. Good points, um, James. How do you see it affecting your core business?
3: Um. All oh, core, core. I mean, in terms of what we're building, um, the the high tech manufacturing space uh, pre COVID, um, you know, greater greater Phoenix um, aerospace. I mean, those have, have all been industries that have really prospered locally. Um. I I see maybe even an uptick in in uh, facilities like that that we build. You know, labor as the the bait, if you will, that has um, pushed many facilities to offshore their production. Um, You know, I I I think in the same way that COVID accelerated our firm's use of technology in 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 all ways, um, automation in high tech manufacturing will be the counterpunch um, to, to chasing cheap labor. And and anyway, the, I I think um, overall it, it's likely to be net net positive to the equation as as major manufacturers instead of going overseas or to maybe to our, our friends to the north or south um, decide to stay state stateside and and really push the, the the use of technology. So anyway, overall I, I think it it's a healthy, a healthy thing for, for those that are stateside, in my opinion.
1: I like it. I appreciate the optimism. How about you, Rob?
4: I'm optimistic, too. Um, I, I believe that the GDP will increase, and that may drive wages up, but if wages get driven up, then people acquire more stuff. And as they acquire more stuff, they pay into the system, and that system continues to take care of itself by providing you know better police departments, libraries, schools, pavement. Uh, Whatever those needs are, and I do believe that this turning inward isn't actually going to be a negative thing, and it will certainly have a lower impact on the, I guess, world economy from an environmental standpoint. Less burning of fossil fuels, less manufacturing of goods um, overseas, uh, where there are not, I guess, rules in place similar to what we have here. So I do believe from a global standpoint, the, the world environmental status will actually improve as a result of this.
1: Yeah, really interesting. How about you, Scott? How, about, how how do you see it affecting you?
5: So you're our biggest trading partner, and we watch what goes on very closely in your country because of that long-existing uh, trade partnership. We also have a heavily reliant energy economy here in Alberta, and I know you guys follow commodity prices, and our energy economy has been uh, pummeled in the last couple of years. We're encouraged by what's going on in the United States economically. And we also think we're gonna see a bit of a pivot away from the energy-based economy. Um, We have a very strong agribusiness here and we see a lot of uh, opportunities in the agribusiness side of things, a lot of opportunities in the technology side and in the manufacturing side. And again, we just wanna continue to see your economy grow because ours like I said, feeds a great deal off of yours.
1: Yeah, great perspective. appreciate that. So in addition to, you know, less global, more isolation, I think we're also going to see a shift, um, you know, less density, more distance. And what I mean by that is, you know, urbanization is likely to be, You know, the other major casualty of COVID-19, you know, people are already more fearful than ever of crowded trains and buses and restaurants and theaters and stadiums, stores, offices, what have you. Um, This is probably a short answer, but and maybe not necessarily related to your specific business lines. But how do you guys see the possible de-urbanization affecting the economic growth and uh, in previous urban sprawl that was focused on, you know, before? How about you, Scott Singster?
5: Um, our mayor here in Calgary is very focused on rejuvenating our downtown core. And so to keep it short, I don't see that we're going to have an increase on our urban sprawl. We're going to have a more inward looking, um, older, older style of economy where people walk to markets, people walk to restaurants, people ride their bikes to get their groceries, that kind of a thing.
1: Gotcha. How about you, Rob?
4: Yeah, I, I, I think that we're probably seeing the trend of people staying home, being more focused on family, um, dining in, learning how to cook again, learning how to work out again. Um, it's gonna increase the home automation business. And I think there's gonna be a big push for home technology and automation, um, especially from a home office standpoint, and then home remodeling. I also see people bumping out those garages and turning them into second offices or the mother-in-law suites and converting those too. So. There's gonna be a lot of industry growth in those areas. And I do feel bad though for the downtown areas, even here in Phoenix and kind of the south end of Phoenix where we're at, restaurants that still haven't opened because people haven't come back to the office. So those big lunch hour cafes, they're they're just not open for business. Even though even the lunch hour barber shops around the corner, they haven't reopened for business. There's no clients.
1: Yeah, really good point. And Like James mentioned earlier, you know, he's got a place up in Pine Top and I would love to have a place in Pine. And it never was really uh, could be a realization just because, well, I got to be at work, you know, five days a week. Well, that's not the case anymore and probably isn't going to be moving forward. So that becomes a reality. You know, I think that people, you know, are going to be, you know, possibly leaving. The, the city setting, unfortunately, just be, especially here in Phoenix, we just – our downtown has been uh, growing at su- such an exponential rate, and there's so many good things happening there. But it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, folks who felt like they had to be in the city are potentially going to be doing now, and that is, you know, relocating out uh, in a more rural area possibly. What do you think, James?
3: Um, yeah, I, I – I, I, again, I, I, I think you'll you'll see – you'll see um, ultimately some of both. So some people that are on the outskirts that are, are zooming into work and, and then some people that are, that are, are still going down that road of, of the, the live here, play here, work here model. I, I still think that'll, that'll thrive, you know, on the, the earlier office conversations and uh, how many, how much square foot, how many square feet of, of usable spaces and end user need. I mean, I, I, I'm all for a, a a beautiful uh, asphalt uh, parking lot, but you know, it, about six, seven years ago, when we were paving over our next building location, because the user's parking requirement went from a, a typical of four per thousand to nine per thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what did that tell you about the density of the people in that building? And so so anyway, again, yeah, people will reduce their footprint, but some firms are going to need a bigger footprint do to deliberately lower the density. So again, it won't all be negative. You're, you're going to have some end users that need a bigger footprint. And to me, that, that is, that is healthy. So, yeah. so anyway, so it's kind of some of winners and losers in, in my mind. Yeah. on
1: the subject. Agreed. And, and a, a net plus for the environment on that front. Uh, Correct. Philip or Phillips Scott
0: Phillips, what do you think? So I think, you know, globalization, just like globalization, urbanization, um, I certainly think, well, obviously they're the main drivers they have been for 40 years of our economy, right? Of the world's economy. But I, I do think the overall effect we, as we see reversals in cities, I think that's, I, I personally believe it's going to happen because of this. And I think people will choose to live in less crowded places. Um, that's just going to be their choice, right? Yeah. But um, the overall effect may not be positive, right? So we've seen, I think it was like, I don't know the statistic, but I think there's like four billion people uh, that live in, in in cities, right, crowded cities, and that's half of our our world population. And so, and that doubled since like 1980. And so, I believe we do we do see um, much like globalization. I do believe that this pandemic, people will choose to live in in less crowded places, and we see the trends reverse. But to to what effect, I just don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah that goes back to the unknown and uh we'll just have, kind of have to wait and see how that plays out but i think that the definition of quality of life is is going to change before our very eyes and uh, it's going to affect all of that um well boys i i, I don't have anything more to be honest you, ryan you got anything
2: i just one thing i got to go back to like the very beginning with you starting out all of this thing and saying We're going to rebuild and come back and all this good stuff. And where we live, you got to use it. I hope we don't get to the ashes, but, you know, as a phoenix, we're going to rise again. That's the end of it all. No matter what we end up going through and dealing with, at the end of the day, we're going to come back, and it's hopefully going to be better, stronger, faster. Together. Without steroids or anything like that, (laughs) but... (laughs) Uh, in, in that and in that just to to throw that positive message at the end of it
1: yeah no absolutely well guys hey thank you so much for being here i do want to give you each one more opportunity if there's anything we haven't touched on to to get out there so uh scott phillips what's your what are any final words
0: yeah hey well just thanks so much for letting me be on this podcast i listen to this i think it's a great podcast um i think uh, you know i love the beginnings where you guys just have that banter back and forth we chirp each other i think that's that's really cool, and it shows that uh, you guys have a good sense of humor. But yeah, I've had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to what you know what happens, certainly in the Southwest United States. But Scott Sangster, you didn't notice I put my Tim Hortons background on. <laughs> uh, and it really was for you. So uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> big Tim Hortons fan.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you being
0: King. Burger King. Isn't that who that is now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. No,
5: Wendy's. Wendy's. Wendy's.
1: Yeah, Wendy's acquired them. That's right. That's right. Right.
5: So I've got one for Scott Phillips as a hockey enthusiast and maybe for Rob too. Um, You talked about different ways to approach business development. In our world, we have three categories that we think each of our uh, team members needs to be. That's a minder, a finder, and a grinder. Hmm. So for the finder part of it, we are going to host a Zoom webinar NHL hockey playoff draft where we Hmm. invite three or 400 of our clients to put teams into it. We're going to do it as a fundraiser for the Calgary food bank. And so a hundred bucks gets your team in. You do the playoff draft, like you would typically do with a snake and Scott Phillips is an enthusiast, a hockey enthusiast. Uh, Once we get it set up or once we have the platform established, I'm more than glad to share that with you to the extent you think you want to do it with your teams or some of your clients.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about that? I'd definitely be interested. So, uh, as long as I can pick my Leafs or the uh, Coyotes, I think we're good. Pardon me, <laughs> the Leafs. That's, oh. why, that's why I threw it in there. Oh. It. Oh, well, you know, I used I, to live. I used to live in Whitby, Scott. So if you know where that's yeah, but at. that's the home of the Dunlops, not the Leafs. <laughs> well, it's close <laughs> enough. You just jump on the GO train. <laughs>
1: Uh, so Scott Sankster, I appreciate you, uh, jumping in there with that. Cause I, one thing I was going to mention before we did get out of here was the fact that, you know, we do these, these round table discussions and we bring people together from, you know, different walks of business and life for that matter. And, you know, one of our objectives not only is to provide, um, you know, great content for our listeners, but it's to make connections. So hopefully, you know, after this, you know, you guys will stay connected and that type of thing and, uh, you know, have some fun with it. Um, James, what, what, what are your final words?
3: Oh yeah, I I, um, I grew up on the on the Texas Gulf Coast, and so that's, that's hurricane country. And if you if you look around, you know there, there's always the the remnants of the big storm. You know, Hurricane Celia was uh, in the 70s, and Corpus Christi came right over the bridge. And you know, you 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 see evidence of the big storm. And um, to me, COVID, I mean, we're still in the storm. Yeah. The storm will blow over. There will there will be an edge of the storm, and and there will be life after the storm. And, anyway I, I I look forward to when we're all looking back and there's there's a little bit of evidence that the storm blew, blew through uh, but but I, I, I don't know if I um, if I am fully on board with it with a true new normal I, I think a lot of what people do um, it, it all revolves around social beings and, and anyway I, I think uh, we'll look back on this at some point in time see some improvements. Um, and, and, but but not, not so much a radical change that, that I think is, is so much on the forefront of our mind right
1: now. So, Totally agree. And uh, I, I believe it's going to be a change for the better. And thank you again for being here, James. I appreciate it. Uh, right. Rob, I'm sure you got something to say.
4: I just, well, uh, yeah. Um, so, Ryan, Kent, Jake, great questions. Awesome panel, good selection of people. I'm very appreciative that you invited me and the folks here. So, thank you for that. Um, I'm just curious, which one of you is Gilligan? Because we know who the skipper is. Oh,
1: well, that's Big Shoots all <laughs> okay, the
2: way. I'll take the Gilligan.
4: <laughs> <laughs> as long as I, when you guys see me, you don't hit me with your hat. I'm fine with
2: it.
1: Just, <laughs> just point me in the direction of Marianne. Oh man. <laughs>
4: Uh-huh. There you go but uh, I'm. you're the professor I'm definitely optimistic for the future you all and thank you for letting us be part of this. This is a really good opportunity for us thank you.
1: yeah no yeah, thank you that. Thank you for reaching out and uh, and helping to uh, get this f- facilitated. Uh, Scott Singster.
5: No so I'm done. I just appreciate the opportunity to uh, dialogue with such interesting people and appreciate you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules to do this. And for you, Kent, and the team for uh, giving us the opportunity to be here.
1: No question. No question. You guys absolutely killed it. This is uh, some great content. I can't wait to get it out. All right. With that, uh, just to remind everybody, you know, get involved in your communities, volunteer your time, you know, look for opportunities to help someone out that is struggling. Bank some good karma because I guarantee you it's going to come back to you. And as always, thank you again for listening, your continued support. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Feel free to send us an email at info at if you have any suggested topics or would like to be on the panel of a future Geoholics meeting. Till next time, everybody, stay safe. Here we go. Thank you to our friends of the program Land Surveyors United, Land Parkland College Land Survey Program, Parkland.edu forward slash surveying, Unifly, U N I F L I dot arrow, Bad Elf, Bad Elf dot com, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGS GPS dot com, Safety Apparel, Safety Apparel dot us, Diamondback Land Surveying, Dback ls.com get kids into survey, get kids into survey.com.